Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we are going to study the book of Daniel, chapter 6. We just completed chapter 5, in which we discussed the uh, decline of the Babylonian kingdom under the leadership of of Belshazzar, and that uh, Daniel had read the writing on the wall saying that the days of the Babylonian kingdom were numbered, that the Persians were going to take over. In chapter 6, the Persians have already conquered uh, the Babylonians, and the Persians are now the power in the world. The <clears throat> there are many historical difficulties with this chapter 6, and I'm not going to dwell too much on them, as those of you that have been listening to this podcast uh, from the beginning, I try not to focus as much on the on the uh, historical accuracy or, or inaccuracy or exactly how to fit the different things into the history as much as I focus on the meaning and purpose of the story being said. However, uh, there were several Persian kings with the name Darius. None of them seemed to fit into the timeline of this, um, of the Darius being referred to in this upcoming chapter. However, it is clear that Darius was the name of one of the Persian kings, and this, the Darius that we're being referred to in chapter 6, whom we're about to read about, is called Darius the Mede, meaning he was of Median uh, background. The Medians and the Persians were closely related allies uh, during the, the big days, during the times of the Persian kingdom, uh, when the Persian kingdom was at its height. So we have a discussion of Darius the Mede, whom the, about the story that we're about to read about is going to take place with. And as we remember, Daniel, or, or Daniel, he, um, he remained, even after the fall of the Babylonian kingdom, he was so well respected for his wisdom and for his integrity that um, he, w- he remained in a high position even in the succeeding Persian government as the Persian Empire took over after the Babylonian Empire. So with that background, let's start reading chapter 6, verse 1. Vidaryavesh Madoya and Darius the Mede, Kabel Malchusa, he became the king Kibarshinin Shitin Vishatartin when he was approximately the age of 62. Um... <laughs> Why that is significant is um, not clear. Uh, it, you know, it doesn't really seem to, uh, you know, it might help us if we were trying to date when this happened or how this occurred. But, um, uh, and the, the rabbis try to use the age of Darius here to calculate variously the years when this occurred and the years when the second temple was built and so on but it gets a little bit more complicated than we need to. But uh, for some reason, it mentions that he was 62, which is also, for those days, uh, elderly. He was older than by the time that most kings took power in those days, which might help us understand a little bit his weakness in the face of his advisors. As we'll see soon, he did not seem to have control over the noblemen and advisors that he had. Um, and uh, he seemed to be a uh, more of a puppet king that was being controlled by the people around him. Shifar Kodom Daryavesh, 
and it became it was a good idea to dare to this Darius. And he thought that it would be, in order to rule this large kingdom, he thought it would be a good idea to divide it into 120 regions, uh, each one being led by an Achashtarpanaya, or translated as a satrap. Or, you know, um, so he had 120 governors of some sort, each one ruling over one of those regions. So that in order to rule and be in charge of the entire kingdom, the Elaminhon Sarchintlasa, and above those 120 governors, he made he put in charge three, whether there was three for every 40 in an even way or some other way. And uh, but he put three people in charge of 120, so he set up a government that it kind of makes sense to divide the 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 leadership in a more effective way. And the Daniel Chadmanon and Daniel was one of the upper three, so that if when these uh, 120 governors when they had issues, they would move up the chain and ask Daniel in order to um, resolve the issue. And this way, the Daniel and the other two officials, we don't know their identity could solve the problem and without it having to go all the way to the king every time. Edayan Sorchayav Achashtarpanaya Havav Ba'ayin Ilala Ashkocha Ledaniel Mitzad Machusa. This is verse 5. So, as we find very often when uh, one person gets a really high position and we find it unfortunately throughout the Jewish exile when there's a Jew that's high in government People get jealous and people want to take him down. They don't know, of course, not only jealousy against Jews, but that's what this story is talking about, jealousy against this Judean person. Um, and uh, the, uh, the 120 uh, satraps, you know, the 120 governors were jealous and they wanted to find some fault in Daniel. They wanted to find some excuse to remove him from his position. But they couldn't find any excuse, anything wrong that he had done, any way that he had even been negligent. He was completely honest. Everything he did was completely 100% honest and by the book. They could not find any mistakes or any corruption. They could not find any fault. So they uh, there's no way for them to take him down by by uh, spreading slander if there was no slander to spread. Edayin, and this at this point, Guvraya Ilach Amrin, the people all said to each other, We can't find within the current state of affairs anything that Daniel is doing that's wrong or against the law. We need, the only way we can take him down is by using somehow his religion against him. And this is where we get into the Judaism part. We know that he is an honest, believing Jew. And we know that the only way we can take him down is if we do something against his religion. Something, force him to choose between his God and his king, and then we will be able to take him down. So Adayan, therefore, this is verse 7, Sorchayav Achashtarpanayah Elein Hagishu Amakla the uh, all of these governors came in front of the king 
Um, they all came in together. And they said to the king, May Darius the king live forever. All of us together, all of the ministers of the kingdom, listed all sorts of various positions in the king, the governors and the leaders and the prefects and the and their assistants and, and all kinds of various positions. We all want to, um, uh, we all decided together to uh, make the following rule in order that the kingdom should be strong. And in order to um, uh, make a, a, a royal uh, decree, a royal prohibition or a royal ban. That anyone that asks any questions, anyone that has any petitions or any any things they want or need, they would only be addressed within the next 30 days. They have to be addressed only to the king himself. And if they don't, and if they ask anyone else, then it should go to the lion's den. In order to show that this entire government is all really coming from the king. Whatever, it's true that there are we are governors and everything, and people could, under normal circumstances, come to us. But in order to show that it comes directly from the king, uh, for the next 30 days, every, anything, anyone that wants to ask or anyone that wants to petition has to go directly to the king. And if not, they get thrown into a den full of lions. Ka'an malka tekim esara v'tirshem kisava. So, king... Go ahead and write this this ban or this this prohibition and put it down on paper. The lala hash because once it's written down on paper, it cannot be changed. Because we know and we see this in the Book of Esther as well that once a once a decree is written and sealed and signed by the king, it can never be reversed. So put it in. After seeing all of this and listening to all of this. Malka Daryavesh Risham Kisavavesar. He wrote it down. Sounded like a reasonable enough idea to him, and he wrote it down. Vidaniel, but Daniel, and this is verse eleven. Kedi Yedadi Rishim Kisava Alav. I say, when he heard of this, this um, of this news of this new decree, he went up to his house. Vechavin Psichon Lei Beilise, and. He uh, in uh, in his aliyah in his upstairs or his attic or the second floor of his ho- house, he had an open window, Neged Yerushalayim, which was facing Jerusalem, and it was well known that he would pray at that window facing Jerusalem. Vezimnin plasa biyoma three times a day. He would bow on his knees, umitzale, and he would pray umode, and he would thank Kadam before his God. And and he would have do all of this um, and from for a long time, and everyone knew that this was his practice. So these men had this plan, and his plan was now Daniel is going to be seen in in his window, bowing and praying to God, and um, because they knew that Daniel was going to make the choice of his God over this decree. This leads to the obvious question. It, the, the obligation to pray three times a day is of course very important and the practice that Daniel had to pray and thank God is of course extremely important and a very basic part of the Jewish religion but if his life is in danger 
one would think that he would have done it in secret or in private, right? Um, because we see in the next verse, verse 12, Then all of those men, they were looking out and waiting for this to happen. And they found Daniel at his window doing his usual practice of praying towards God. So why did Daniel, we, we know where this is going to lead, unfortunately, to the lion's den. So why did Daniel do it in front of his window? Couldn't he find some secret place to do it? This is a difficult question. And is it is it is one supposed to give one's life in order to pray three times a day? So don't pray if it means your life is gonna is gonna be taken away from you. We know that there's three um, cardinal sins in the Jewish religion for which one is obligated to give up his life rather than than commit them, and those are idolatry and um and adultery and murder this isn't prayer is not one of them so don't pray or if you do pray pray in private the answer must be something along the lines of the following we also know that even though one is not supposed to give up their lives for religion there are instances when decrees are being made specifically in order to subjugate and 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 eradicate the jewish religion when it's directly being made, when decrees are directly being made in order to, um, to uh, force people away from the practice of the religion of Judaism, that under such circumstances, one is obligated to martyr themselves rather than uh, comply with the law. So if the intent of the law is specifically to eradicate Judaism, by complying with that law, on, the risk is that they may be successful and they may eradicate Judaism, which would be a terrible, terrible, terrible disaster. So therefore, under those circumstances, if the kingdom specifically designing laws in order to eradicate Judaism, and then Daniel must have felt that this was such a situation, must have felt that this was a situation where he sees the government trying to turn against his religion and his God, and therefore he's obligated to give his life to practice Judaism rather than give in to this kind of pressure. That would be the simple way of understanding this and why Daniel went ahead and practiced his religion and prayed rather than um, why he didn't hide. It's not exactly clear. For some reason he felt that he needed to, possibly he felt he needed to do this in public in order to give, send this message to all the other Jewish people that no, I am not complying because had he done it in private, then the Jews would have thought he was complying with the law and they would have complied as well. And who knows if they would have been able to survive and remain Jews through this. So, um, and remain faithful to their religion. So possibly he did this in public in order that everyone should know. Beidayin, so then of course since they saw him, this is verse 13, Krivu they all got together and came in front of the king. El esor malko halo esor didn't you put in writing a ban that said that anyone that has anything to ask from any god or any human being for the next 30 days, that he has to ask only from you, the king? And if he doesn't, he's going to be thrown into the den of lions. So the king answered and says, Yes, it's true. It was written down in such a way that it cannot be repealed. So Beidayan at that point, they all answered and said in front of the king, 
the Daniel, the Min Bnei Galusa the Yehud, that Daniel from one of the Judeans, and this shows right away, they've just shown their true colors, why they were against Daniel, because he was one of the Jews from Judea, and he was appointed in a high place above us, and we can't take it that there is a Jew above us, but he, he didn't listen to the king's decree, and the and the ban which you wrote down on on a official paper, three times a day he asks his petitions in front of his God instead of you. The king was very bothered by this when he heard this matter. Um, because the king liked Daniel, he appointed him high because he trusted him, and he knew that Daniel was a trustworthy man, and the last thing he wanted to do was punished Daniel. Some say, and he set his heart. His bal is like the word lave, written backwards, and um, and he therefore placed in his heart and decided, I got to figure out a way to get Daniel out of this. And until the sun went down, in other words, the entire day, he tried to think and plot and talk and figure out ways to somehow get Daniel out of this trouble that he was in. They died, but then the people came in. These people came to the king, Hagishu Amalka. And they approached the king all together as a group. And they said to the king, Da Malka, you should know, king, that this is the law, this is the way it works here in Media and Persia. That once the king makes a decree, you can't change it. If you stop this rule, everything's going to fall apart. The good old slippery slope argument. You might not think that you want to apply the law in this situation, but once you start making exceptions to the rule, the whole thing falls apart. 17, verse 17, Beidayan, at this point, Malka Amar, the king said, Daniel, bring Daniel in, and go ahead, throw him into the lion's den. Ane Malka V'yomar Daniel, and the king said to Daniel, Maybe, 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 The king was hoping, maybe that God, who you are always praying to and always talking about, Maybe he can save you, but I can't save you. So here we see how weak the king was, being completely duped into signing a, what was really a ridiculous decree in the first place. And then in the end up, the king has to, has to throw and listen his, his, favorite, um, his favorite advisor into the lion's den. And now hoping, the king hoping, that maybe God can save Daniel. The Hesoyis Evan Chada, they brought a, a, a rock, the Sumas al Punguba, and they um, put it on over the opening to the cave. And the king sealed it, right? Um, he, he put a seal on the rock to demonstrate that no one can take this rock off, because that would be breaking the seal of the king. And then with his sign, and then the, the seals of all of his noblemen so that nothing can be changed regarding Daniel. And the king went to his, to his, um, back to his palace and, and, um, and he spent the entire night um, fasting. 
nobody brought uh, you know entertained the king that night the king wasn't interested in you know sometimes they bring uh, jokers or players or whatever in front of the king he was not interested in any entertainment and he couldn't sleep all night he was tossing and turning in bed worried about his friend Daniel who was now stuck in the lion's den Bedayan, at this point, when the morning came, Malka Biship the king, as soon as the the first inklings of dawn, the, the sun started to come, he gets up at light night, and he rushes and he rushes to the uh, place where the um to the to the den where the lions were inside with Daniel. With Daniel and when he got close to the to the to the den, or he he cried out to Daniel in a sad and mournful voice, on a and the king said as follows to Daniel, Daniel, has your God allowed you to be still alive? the Godhead who you always pray to, is he heichal? Was he strong enough to save you from the lions? And at that point, he heard the voice of Daniel from behind the rock. Daniel and Malcolm Alil, Daniel spoke to the king. May the king live forever. God sent, his, sent an angel who kept the mouths of the lions closed and they did not damage me at all. As, as much as um, before, before him, before God, I was innocent. They, they, that, in, 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 um, that is in that same way. The the lions did not harm me. The Malka, and not only was I innocent before God. But I was also innocent before you, the king. You know that I have never done any wrong to you and did not deserve any punishment. And therefore the lions kept their mouths closed and did nothing. The king was extremely happy and, and, and excited that Daniel was saved. And he told the people around to take him out of the den. He was taken out of the den. There wasn't a single wound on his body because he had faith and trust in his God. And then the king said, Bring all of those people who, and we had this language, which could mean literally devour the flesh, but it also means goes around telling telling tales and, and hinting with the eyes and telling slander and false tales about other people. Um, we discussed that back in chapter 2. The Daniel, the ones who said all of these nasty stories about Daniel, bring them, and throw them into the lion's den. And not only them, but them along with their families. And, and they, they were thrown in and they hadn't even landed on the floor of the cave. Before the lions already attacked and started to rip them apart. At this point, Darius the king, he wrote a letter to all of the nations and cultures and language groups that lived within his land and within his um, dominion. 
that peace should be upon all of you. Before me, I am now giving this following order. That, that throughout my entire kingdom, we should fear and serve and worship before the God of Daniel, the who, he is the God of life, the true living God, the Kayom Lomen, he is the only God that lives forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed. The reference, remember back to the dream where of the giant, where all of the kingdoms destroyed the one that preceded it, but God's kingdom lasted forever. Vishaltoneat Sofa and his rulership goes forever. He is the one who saves his people. He is the one who rescues his people. He is the one that does wondrous signs. Bishmaya, both in the heavens and in Uvar on the earth, that he saved Daniel from the lions. Daniel then uh, was very successful in the kingdom of Daryavesh, of Darius, the Mede, of Malchus Koresh, and then after Darius, during the kingdom of Cyrus, Parsa'a, the Persian, Cyrus presumably being the Cyrus who ended the exile of the Jews and allowed them to go back to Jerusalem. Thus ends the um, story of Daniel and the lion's den. Thank you so much for studying chapter 6. Looking forward to studying Daniel chapter 7 and the rest of the book of Daniel together.